Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Well, today was clearly not a slow news day. You had Wes Unseld emerging as a leader in the Wizards coaching search earlier in the day. That was what Sham Sharani and I reported this morning. And then Bradley Beal is now going to be out for the Olympics because he's in the health and safety protocols and he's officially not going to be going to Tokyo. Uh, and I was supposed to have Sam Vecini on to just talk about the draft. The draft is... It's Thursday night. We're recording this at, at 9.45 p.m. because Sam lives on the other side of the world. And I was going to have Sam on. It's two weeks to go until the draft. And we were going to talk draft stuff and all that. And it was going to be a nice casual podcast. And now, Sam, people are really going to get to see how versatile you are because we are going to be talking about Wizards News to start this off. How about that? Please, get, give me some Wiz News. That's what I need. I need some... Need some some news of some whiz. I thrive off of whiz news. You do. I mean, you broke some whiz news today. Broke a little bit of whiz news. I was waking up in the morning. I was like, I feel like you know, crack crack open, crack open some whiz news. You know. Uh, so that was that. Wes Unseld is uh, has emerged as the uh, leader in the clubhouse of the Wizards coaching search there. They're really down to three finalists. Uh, I would say that it's, you know, I think Woj kind of phrased it this way the other day too. And I would characterize it as, you know, it's really, it's really uh, unselled in Darvin Ham and, and, and then Charles Lee, who's another finalist. Jamal Mosley was a guy who, who got a couple of interviews, but he obviously took the magic job and, and Ronald Norris sounds like he's going to be going to uh, Indiana to be Rick Carlisle's lead assistant. And I really think it's, it's, it's kind of an unselled ham, sort of deal right now and and from everything that I've heard everything that uh that that Shams has heard obviously it sounds like Wes is in the lead right now doesn't mean that we're reporting he's definitely getting the job but uh you know I think he's the front runner to get it um and and you know Sam I mean it's so hard to do proper analysis and I talked about this on a podcast with Ben Standard a couple of weeks ago it's so hard to do proper analysis of a coaching search when all these guys are assistants, you know, it's just, it's so difficult to say, all right, well, you know, 
anything beyond just, all right, well, they, I guess, I guess that's a guy, you know, <laughs> that's a person. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the case of Wes, uh, look, I, I don't have a relationship with Wes Unseld at, at all. Right. But you know, I've talked to enough people kind of around Denver. I've talked to enough people around the league, just, just kind of about coaching candidates in general. And his name is one that pretty consistently pops and, it's in large part due to his ability to, uh, I guess the way to put it, like like I, I hate when we talk about black coaches as the guys who can relate to players, right? Because that ends up being the the thing that they get known for, right? And I think that's just unfair to them because like Wes Unseld is a phenomenal defensive coach and he is a uh, guy that like really was one of the architects of creating a Denver scheme around Nikola Jokic that works and is valuable, right? But one thing that I also get told is like he really connects with the players. He communicates with them well and like is really good at finding ways to uh, make them feel like they're being heard. And that's a critical skill for a head coach. Like being able to communicate with dudes is so essential. And I I don't know necessarily what his offensive scheme would look like. It would certainly look drastically different than Denver's, if only because the Wizards have no one resembling anything close to Nikola Jokic. So it's hard to say how that portion of uh, of his coaching future would pan out. But I think that what Wizards fans could expect is a guy who uh, will have the respect of players and a guy that is bringing a high level defensive uh, ability in a way, uh, or at least a high level defensive scheme in a way that I think the wizards could really need and value. Yeah. I think that's very well said. He, you know, Mike Malone gives him a ton of credit for kind of raising them up in defense. They were 11th in points allowed per possession last year. And if you look at a lot of their defenders, they probably don't have the talent of a team that finished in all that should finish in 11th. And they got off to a slow defensive start last year and really built up throughout the second half of the season. Something I think is really interesting too. And you key in on this and in Wes Unseld's personality, uh, which is his reputation of being a major collaborator and really listening to players, talking to players, communicating with players. And this quote from Tommy Shepard stands out to me. Uh, Tommy said this a day or two, or maybe even the day of, I forget, that that it was reported that they were going to be parting ways with Scott Brooks. This was last month. Tommy said this in a press conference when asked about what he was looking for in the next head coach. And, and he was somewhat vague, but he also keyed in on this. He said, uh, the days of one coach being the solution to every single problem that a team has is over. We recognize that. That's why you see a lot more reliance on an offensive coordinator, if you will, a defensive coordinator. I think everything starts with being a great communicator. So I think they were looking for that sort of personality type in a coach. I think they're, they've they been looking for someone like that. I think uh, yep. Darvin Ham is a communicator too. From what I gather about Darvin Ham, I think they have different sorts of demeanors. I think Ham is a, a more vocal sort of personality. It sounds like he's really a guy who who kind of commands a room. You feel his presence when he's there, and that's kind of how everybody talks about him. And with Wes, I think he's more of a laid-back, understated sort of personality. Uh, and 
you know, neither is better than the other, to be honest. It kind of comes back to what I was saying on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, which is that some teams respond better to some coaching personalities and other teams respond better to other team personalities. And the Wizards kind of need to find out, figure out which personality, which X's nose mind, which schematic mind is the best for them. Um, I would, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, Unseld, I obviously reported today that Unseld is, is the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, but you know, I think, I think Ham really impressed too. So I think, I think what both those guys have in common is kind of what you talk about where they are kind of known as guys who they have a message to convey and they convey it well and they convey it clearly uh, and guys and players respond to them. Fellow coaches respond to them. Uh, I think that's clear. I think that was something I really took away from Shepard's press conference uh, earlier this year, or I should say last month. And I think these last two guys being there and, and with the way people talk about unsell specifically, like, that that's not surprising that those two types of personalities are, are kind of what you're saying at the end of this thing, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I'll be honest, like I'm a little bit less familiar with what Darvin Ham brings to the table. I mean, I know he's been with Budenholzer forever and uh, like, I, I know the reputation of uh, being a bit more of a vocal leader and everything, but I, I mean, I, I feel just like less, less, uh, I don't know, less of, not that I'm an expert on assistant coaching and the guys who are like the best assistant coaching candidates in the NBA necessarily, but like, I feel less inclined other than to say like, seems like a good, seems like a good duo to come down to, right? Uh, It seems like they've undertaken a process where they know what they want. They know what they're looking for from a head coach that the thing that I keep coming back to with the Wizards is simply uh, at some point they're going to have to make a call on what they're really building here as an organization. Are they building uh, to be the sixth seed every year or are they building to try and win a championship? I, I don't know that their current iteration of this roster is uh, anything in their current flexibility with this roster is unfortunately anything really resembling a potential champion. So you know, uh, that part of it, I think, is an important thing to consider. At some point, they might end up blowing this thing up and deciding, hey, we want a greater upside with what we have here. But they haven't done that yet. They don't seem inclined to do that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, that's something that, like, that's the huge question with them. Because, look, the coaches that they're bringing in are the coaches who are interviewing for the Magic. Not the coaches who, if, say, in an alternative universe, Milwaukee loses to the Nets and there's an opening there and coaches are interviewing with Milwaukee. Like, the coaches they're interviewing are assistant coaches with no NBA head coaching experience. Those are the kinds of guys you go after for a rebuild, and yet they got Westbrook and and Beal. So something doesn't quite match up there. And you can hire an assistant for a win-now team, and it can turn out great. I mean... That's what happened with Eric Spolstra. Turned out pretty great with Eric Spolstra. It's happened in other places, too. I mean, there have been, I mean, freaking Greg Popovich had experience coaching at Pepperdine and hired himself. And I don't think anybody would, you know, at the time it was like, wait, what the hell is happening in San Antonio? And now it's like, well, he's the greatest coach of his generation. Uh, So, so, you know, there are all different ways to find a coach. Good coaches come from all different places and all different backgrounds. So it's not necessarily a, it's not a knock. 
you know, it's good to think outside the box. It's good to look for unfound talent and in, you know, often unfound places. That's, that's, that's a great thing. Uh, it's just more of an observation of like, you know, the, the search matches up more with the team trying to rebuild. Uh, yet, you know, they talk about, they want to hold on to Beal. They don't respond to trade, you know, trade offers for him. You know, they, they've rebuffed all of those for the last couple of years. They, you know, would like to extend him. They like to keep him for the long haul. They still have Russell Westbrook for another two years. And, uh, you know, obviously moving off of Russ Westbrook would be, would be difficult given the fact that he's on a super max deal and he's got, you know, a, a one guaranteed year and a player option after that. So it's, it's a weird, it's a, it's, it's a weird way to go about a coaching search. Not necessarily bad, just, just weird. Something doesn't quite match up, but anyway, um, I don't know. Do you have anything to say about Bradley Beal being in the health and safety protocols other than like that sucks? I hope Bradley Beal is healthy and uh, no. Like, I hope Bradley Beal like does not get extremely ill. I hope Bradley Beal is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, no. I mean, whatever. I hope Brad's healthy. Like <laughs> I feel like there's nothing to say about it beyond that, right? Yeah, Chris Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington reported that he's 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 doing he's doing fine. So that's good to hear. And beyond that, it's just like, man, you work your whole life to get to that. I know he wanted the Olympics so bad he couldn't do the he couldn't do the World Cup in 2019 because his his son was born that summer. He couldn't do USA minicamp the year before because his first son was born that summer and I know he really wanted the Olympics and uh you know missing out on that that sucks that's just crappy timing and uh you know you have a lifelong goal and it sucks anyway I want to ask you draft stuff I have you here I'm not missing out on an opportunity to ask you draft stuff you ready to go yeah, I feel, I feel like I'm at the point where I just have like so much of this draft stuff just like locked somewhere in my brain that you know, just just throw questions and we'll see where it okay. goes. Right? How many how many players do you have on your still yet to be published spreadsheet right now? Are you oh allowed to God. say this well, on, the, a, the, on a podcast? The spreadsheet does not get published. Like I have like a private spreadsheet where like I track guys. It's like 225 names. Like it's a long, it's a long list. Who uh, is number 225 on that list? Oh God. I actually will have to pull this up now. Oh, who do That's we what I got? Want. We, we got, uh, the, the thing is that like, they aren't like really in order once you get past that level. Um, like Lucas Williamson is down there. He returned to Loyola, Chicago. Um, some of these guys are like going back to school, right? Um, I actually quite think he's interesting. He's just like an older guy that is a three and D player at Loyola. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe we'll throw we'll throw Lucas Williamson a bone and shout him out. There you go, Lucas Williamson getting the Wizards after dark shout out. He's been waiting for that his whole life. Uh, I want to figure, yeah, just just a whiz whiz after dark guy. <laughs> he's waiting for some. He just wants to crack open some news and listen to Wizards after dark. Uh, okay, I want to start on Corey Kispert. I've talked about Kispert a lot on the podcast before, but the reason I want to start on him is because in your most recent mock draft up at the Athletic, you have the Wizards taking Kispert, and it yep. makes it makes a lot of sense. And I and I know sometimes when you do a mock, it's like you're you're only doing what is in front of you, what the draft order is today. 
you know, there there could be trades that throw things out of whack and you might consider to be likely. You might consider a pick be, you know, a pick might be moved at number fill in the blank and that throws everything off, right? Um, you have him there. How likely do you think that is to be the pick in the grand scheme of things? Oh, God. Um, how to answer that question? I, I would say if he's on the board, I feel strongly that he will be near the top of the Wizards draft board, I think is the way to answer that question. Like, I, I do do I know that he's at the top? No. Do I think the Wizards have a like set draft board right now? I do not. Uh, like they're still having guys in like they had Jaden Springer in today, who I think is a legit candidate in this range. Um, depending on how these pre-draft workouts go, I can see a world where the Wizards are swayed in one direction or another. But I, I think that Kispert will certainly be high on their board and they will make a decision based on how the draft board plays out to go there. He would fit well. I mean, it makes perfect sense. They need three-point shooting, and that dude can hit it at just crazy, crazy volumes. Is is there a um, – what I wonder with him is so, – so there's kind of a – I feel like teams have an inclination. They, they don't want to take a guy who is capped out at being just a three-point shooter who can maybe do a little bit more offensively with the number nine pick, right? That's not something that you necessarily want to do. You don't want to take a guy who is just not necessarily going to be able to burst through with a pick that high. Um, do you think that you can get proper value for him at 15? Like, do you think that's right about where his range should be? Or is this a case of, cause, cause you're not the only guy who has the wizards grabbing him and he's an intuitive pick stylistically, right. or, or is this more of a case of like the wizards are trying to win now? Kispert's developed. He's 22 of the guys who are kind of in that middle of the draft range, like him, Duarte, you know, you have the, the older guys who, who might be ready to come in and contribute right away. He fills a need for them with three point shooting. Like, is this, do you feel, think of this as a, as a reach for need pick, or do you think of this as a, as a proper value pick independent of the fit? I think it's totally fine. The thing that people have to kind of understand about this draft is we're working with like a relatively incomplete deck of information in part due to like the remnants of the COVID season, right? Because a lot of these players during the college basketball season did not necessarily have like great off seasons, especially the younger guys like Zaire Williams, even at the start of the year, like Stanford went like two months without playing a home game. Right. Because they were in like Asheville and then in Santa Cruz and then somewhere else like they, they had to they, they were never home. They didn't have like a great weight facility like Zaire Williams, like didn't really have an ideal freshman year. Duke's restrictions with covid like and I, I'm not commenting on like, you know, the right and wrongness of Duke's restrictions with covid. I tend to fall on the fact that they were responsible with covid. But like um like Duke's restrictions with COVID were different and probably a bit more stringent than other universities were. So Jalen Johnson, I feel like didn't necessarily get a chance to like build up crazy camaraderie with teammates and like build up, um, you know, some sort of 
uh, real relationship there. And a lot of these guys, I think, probably struggled to communicate early on because they're freshmen entering a new situation. And then on top of it, if you're not like hanging out with the guys off the court uh, as much as you typically are during a college basketball season, those issues are exacerbated. So in general, there are just a lot of real contextual factors that I think uh, limit the amount of information that even like, you know, guys within front offices have like, I I have a lot of information. Like I'm pretty good at digging up what I can find on guys. But I would say that uh, certainly NBA teams will have four and five guys digging into information on these guys. And just by sheer ability of manpower probably can certainly dig up more than I can. So uh, there, there's just going to be a lot to try and navigate throughout this pre-draft process. And because of it, uh, what we're seeing is that there are a lot of, players who have very polarizing draft ranges. Like you could tell me Zaire Williams goes 12. You could tell me Zaire Williams goes 28. You could tell me Keon Johnson goes eight. You could tell me he goes 25. Uh, And I don't know what's going to happen there. I just don't like, I think that it's, uh, it's tough because it's tough to figure out draft ranges this year because so many teams have such wide ranging evaluations on players. Now in the case of Corey Kispert, I think the range is much smaller than what we've seen. Like I would say it's somewhere like 10 to 19, something like that. Like if he gets to the Knicks pick, I'd be pretty blown away if the Knicks didn't take him given their need for shooting as well. Uh, You know, I think that, it's it's just very difficult to put like an exact range on guys this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean, is there just because of the circumstances of this season, is there like is there a guy who you think is more likely to shock people by going really high? Is there a candidate that's it's going to get picked number seven or get picked number nine and everyone's going to go, holy crap, I can't believe that guy went number nine. So I've just kind of heard that Jaden Springer has been really good in workouts. Right. Um, obviously, the Wizards had Springer in today. If you told me Jaden Springer went like 10, 11, 12, like that, that wouldn't 12 maybe, but like, like here's the other part of this that's complicated too. Um, I don't know who's going to be making these picks, right? Like it's been well reported Sacramento at nine, like is very comfortable moving this pick. I think the Pacers wouldn't mind moving this pick just given that they're trying to compete now and uh, they have, 
just weird roster holes and maybe not necessarily the need to add another rookie into this roster that is very deep already. Um, been well reported that the Warriors are considering moving seven and 14. Will Orlando use both five and eight? Uh, you know, Charlotte is trying to go out and find a center somewhere, right? Like, could they use number 11 to go out and find a center or will they do it in free agency or will they just take a center at 11? Like there's enough uncertainty with the picks above the wizards that it, we're, we're working with uncertainty on like two terms here, right? We're working on uncertainty in terms of like, who's going to be making these picks. And then we're working on uncertainty in, in the terms of like, there are just very polarized evaluations league wide. So, I mean, yeah, you told me someone like Jaden Springer goes, you know, nine ten because I don't know. I don't want to throw a specific team on it because then I'm like stepping on toes probably. But like, let's say, um, but like, let's say that, you know, let's say someone like for the love of God, like Utah thinks Jaden Springer is like the next Donovan Mitchell and wants to give up like their next two years worth of picks or something. Like, I don't see this happening on planet earth, but let's just like throw a, I don't want to like throw a, you know, a team that could actually do it because then it becomes like an aggregated report. And then that becomes a mess for everybody. Um, like, let's say Utah moves up to number nine, like, you know, someone moving up and, you know, trying to get their specific guy that they think they have to jump, say, uh, like New Orleans Forks. We're talking about number nine with Sacramento. Say they think they have to jump New Orleans at number 10. Uh, like that could happen and that could push someone like a Jaden Springer up the board or it could push someone like a uh uh, like an Isaiah Jackson up the board or a like Franz Wagner if a team thinks that they have to jump Sacramento for Franz Wagner, right? All right. I'm I'm going to ask you this. Of of the of the of the old guys, if we're talking like the Trey Murphy, Chris Duarte, you have to bet on one of you have to pick one of those guys to come in and help you this upcoming season. I don't know if that's how the Wizards are going to specifically yep. address this or not, but I think it's plausible. I mean, if you're if you're trying to win, you got a couple of guys in your range, more than a couple of guys in your range who who their MO, their value is, they're going to come in, they're going to help you right now. You know, Murphy can can really shoot. And and I think he's been I mean, I some other teams have told me he's done well in workouts too. He can he can really shoot yep. well, and and Duarte is just Duarte is basically his entire value is that he can help you right away. If he doesn't help you right away, then you probably have a problem because he's he's nine hundred and sixty two years old. So if he if he's not going to help you off the bat, then then I'm not really sure what the value is. Then you can't justify him at at 15 obviously or you can't even really justify maybe even trading back and and taking him with a slightly later pick um if you have to go through those basically let's say those two guys because we talked about kispert with with really trey murphy and 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 duarte which guy do you like more because i i think it's plausible that's a route the wizards go especially considering those guys aren't just kind of your two you know air quotes nba ready guys but they're also wings who can shoot and defend a little bit, right? Yeah. So I, I would rank them in terms of ability to come in and help immediately. I, I would rank them Duarte, Kispert, Murphy, uh, one, two, three. And 
the reason for Duarte is that he's good at both things right now, plus is confident dribbling. Um, Chris Duarte is a 40% three-point shooter. He can run secondary ball screen actions. He can attack closeouts. He can defend at a high level. He's an all-pack 12 defender. I don't know how switchable he's going to be, but I feel pretty good on him one through three. Um, Corey Kispert is, you know, and the, the thing before I go into Kispert, I want to mention with all three of these guys, all very high character kids. Like Chris Duarte came to the United States, like from the Dominican Republic when he was a teenager and like didn't have a support system basically other than the school he was at and like had to learn English and like everything and is so emotionally mature and was so professional about the way that he went about approaching it from such a young age that he's positioned himself to be an NBA player now. Um, despite like having started basketball when he was like early teens, uh, Corey Kispert, you talk to people at Gonzaga, they just like laud Kispert about his, uh, leadership about his mentality about his professional demeanor and then Trey Murphy's also considered like just an elite level character kid who works hard and you know was a late bloomer and really had to work for where he is now um in the case of Kispert getting back to this little ranking here Kispert the the question is defense with him I think it's going to take him a couple of years to like really hone in on that end. He's going to be playable early because he's a high level movement shooter. And I think he's going to hit 40% of his threes basically from day one, but it's just going to take a little bit of time for him defensively to develop that wherewithal and know-how in terms of knowing how to like shade guys into disadvantageous spots with his angles and how to uh, use his footwork and strength in order to stay in front of guys and how to work on his balance to where he doesn't get beat constantly. Uh, I think it's just going to take a couple years, but I think he'll get there to where he'll be like not a, not a sieve defensively or not a guy that like you have to scheme around defensively in order to get his shooting on the court. In the case of Murphy, Murphy's just not comfortable right now putting the ball on the floor at this point. Uh, and he's not super strong throughout his core. He's really, really good with his footwork and has great lateral quickness and balance for someone who's six foot nine with a seven foot wingspan. And he also has some pretty real explosiveness and pop. Again, I just think it's going to take like a year for him to get used to like NBA defense. Um, and really like get to the point where it's like down pat with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've actually spoken to a couple teams about Murphy and, and I've heard that he's worked out really well, but that's the MO with him. It's just strength and being able to build that up and being able to, to take contact. And, and as for being able yeah. to put the ball on the floor, I mean, I, I think that the three and D guy is going to become a little bit as outdated as the stretch four is, which is that now yeah. we don't say we don't say anybody's a stretch four because the expectation is you're supposed to be a stretch four. What teams really are looking for is playmaking fours, and and playmaking yeah. is is kind of the next iteration of stretch. Now everybody stretches. You want somebody who's going to be able to do a little bit with the ball, and. With a guy like Kisper, he's not going to be initiating stuff every play. But if you close out on him hard because you're scared of his shooting, you can do something with it, you know. And I yep. think I think Duarte is is probably about the same. And you don't want someone who's just going to be a, a stationary shooter. You know, teams aren't necessarily looking for what's an example. Not looking for Anthony Moros anymore. You know, that's just not 
that's not the type that's in that's in the league anymore even though shooting is at a premium and and I think that's an interesting way to differentiate those two guys because it makes a lot of sense with the way the league is trending you know right and in the case of Murphy like the thing if you are going to have a tried and true 3 and D guy out there you need to be good at both the three side and the defense side. And you need to be like a genuine plus at both of them. Um, Like Trevor Ariza is someone who like got to the point where he was comfortable putting the ball on the deck, but like for the most part, stationary shooter in the corner, really good defender. I think that that's more what you're going to see out of like Trey Murphy is guy who is going to be more of a high, high, high level stationary shooter uh, has some explosiveness off of cuts as well. Particularly, I should mention that he's a really good cutter, um, but also who can be a high level defender. Like it's harder to find guys who are good at both things than what people think. Um, like Pat Connaughton is playing like genuine 25 minutes a night in the NBA, right in, in the NBA finals right now. I don't feel like great about him on defense. Like I I don't think Devin Booker feels great about him on defense, given the way he relentlessly attacks him. Right. Um, In the case of uh, Trey Murphy, I think he is going to be genuinely good at both and is someone that can be like the three and D archetypal player, but the level that you have to be at for both of those roles is very similar to what you're saying. Like you have to be very, very good at both of those things. Like you have to be a 39 to 41% three point shooter from the NBA line. And you have to be a really good defender. I happen to think Trey Murphy hits both of those marks, but there is like a real limitation that he's going to bring you in terms of playmaking, in terms of passing, in terms of dribbling. Like I don't feel comfortable with him attacking a closeout, someone coming over to him and help and him having to make a decision as a passer right now. Um, Kispert and Duarte, I feel good about that with Trey Murphy. I think it's going to take some time. So, you know, you're going to have to take away some of that with Murphy and it is why he's a little bit lower than those other two on my board, but he is good enough at both of the two key things within the three and D archetype that I think he meets the standard of what the three and D archetype is now, if that makes sense. Okay. So it's, it's draft night. It's July 29th. Sam Vecini is in his, I don't know, where, where are you watching the draft? Where do you watch it? So, okay. Tr- truth, truth circle time. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Let's see. I, I just, won't tell just anybody. Me, you, Nobody's and, listening. me, you, and the, the whiz after dark listeners. Nobody, right? nobody listens to um, this. It's fine. <laughs> so I don't actually watch the draft. <laughs> wow. So, it's way easier for me to just follow it on social media, given like all of the 90 different things that I have going on on that night. It's easier for me to like watch what's happening on social media and just like track my phone. Like when I get texts and stuff, than it is to like be watching Jay Billis talk about something on TV. Right. I was going to all respect say, to Jay Billis. I, like I think Jay's great, but yeah, I, I picture you sitting at home playing the Jay Billis wingspan drinking game. <laughs> and then churning out 12,000 words when you're done. I think that's got to be your piece this year. Play it and oh then write God. your post-draft story. Oh, that'd be amazing. Um, no, that would be, be an Ethan Strauss not, story. But 
That's an Ethan. Yeah, Strauss Ethan. Story. <laughs> Ethan can go get like stoned on peyote or whatever with Don Nelson and go uh, go watch this. Exactly. Um, okay. Anyway, if you did watch the draft, okay, you're sitting there. You're you're playing the Jay Billis wingspan drinking game. Every time he says wingspan, you got to do a shot. You're you're sure. you're feeling it in your head now because he said wingspan 16 times and and you know you're not going to remember <laughs> tomorrow morning. All right? And 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 now it's the Wizards pick. And he said wingspan a million times. Let's say every the draft has gone totally bonkers. Everybody who could reasonably pick be picked by the Wizards. In every universe, anyone who could reasonably pick be picked by the Wizards is still on the board, all right? Uh, who is the pick? That makes you go, oh, that's that's crazy, and I'm kind of into it. Oh, that's a good one. That's crazy, and I'm kind of into it. Yes. <sighs> and and you can't blame it on the fact that you're 16 wingspans in. Huh. That's crazy, and I'm kind of into it. Huh. Maybe Usman Garuba, but like he's pretty close to my range there. Like I think I literally have him fifteen. Oh man, this is a great question. Huh. That's what I'm here for. This is crazy, but I'm kinda into it. Maybe. Maybe if they took. Someone like, man, like there isn't really even like the, the internationals in this range. They're either going to go higher or they're like Garuba and Garuba's just like perfectly in that range. Like I, I, I don't see them taking Zaire Williams um, just because of what we're talking about now. It's going to take Zaire like a year and a half before he can like really play on an NBA court. So that would really surprise me in the way that you're discussing, but I'd love it. Uh, I think Zaire is a ticket worth betting on at the very least. I'm into it. I th- that was what I thought your answer would be. You know, he's, I he's really like Zaire Williams. I don't know whether or not to like him. He's, <laughs> I have absolutely no idea whether I should like him or not. I don't know if he's going to shoot or if he's not going to shoot. I don't know if he's going to flail around the court. Or if he is going to be fluid and play beautiful basketball, he's a, he's he's smooth and a really good athlete. And there are flashes, and it's like, oh, that that's pretty good. And then the next play, something crazy happens. So I I have absolutely no idea if I like him, and I have absolutely no idea if he's going to be good. So that that was exactly the, and he might be great. So that was the exact. It's crazy, but I kind of like an answer that I thought you were going to say. Yeah, maybe it's not that crazy. So I I think Zaire Williams has the greatest difference in this draft among anyone between what his ceiling is and what his floor is. His ceiling is like NBA All-Star if it works because he gets into that pull up off of like counters and off like he'll drive to the right, cross over to the left, cross over to the right again, step back into a jumper and a lot of the time it doesn't go in, but uh, yeah, it has potential to go in, Fred, and it looks great. And he has the kind of athletic fluidity that I think it's just really hard to find in those shot creators. 
on top of being six foot nine. Uh, Those guys are hard to find. Guys who are that big, who are that fluid, who can get the step backs and who can pass a little bit and who have a good defensive mindset. And on top of it, like great character kids, like the Stanford staff loves Zaire Williams and they loved coaching him and like really, really are rooting for him to succeed. And it's not always the case with these like one and done freshmen where the season didn't necessarily go super well. Right. Um, Zaire Williams is really good. Uh, or he has a chance to be really good. The problem is right now he's like 175 pounds at six foot nine and has no contact balance whatsoever. Uh, really struggles to play through any sort of like physical contact and ends up like flailing on the ground. Kind of like you referenced multiple times a game. Um, if you're a team that is willing to put in the time, that is willing to put in the effort, that has a great strength and conditioning staff, that has a great nutritional staff, that has um, a great developmental staff, I would feel very confident taking him somewhere late lottery. If you are not a team that has those things, if you don't feel good about like all of those aspects, and it has to be across the board, all of them, I would not have him anywhere near this spot on my board. So, I I mean, terrific highs where he could, I think, be like a low-end NBA all-star. Like, like his shot-making, I think, has a chance to be like somewhat similar to Chris Middleton's because of how big he is and because of how fluid he is getting into it. It's just he doesn't shoot it that well right now. If it goes well, it has a chance to be that. If it doesn't go well, and the odds are more likely than not, it's probably not going to go well. Like, let's just be honest about it. He's probably out of the NBA within five years. And getting back to our original topic, the Wizards are, they're they're probably going to be making this pick knowing who their head coach is, but they're probably not going to be making this pick knowing who their player development people are and through their who their whole assistant coaching staff is going to be. I mean, it takes a time, takes time to to fill out a coaching staff, and we're two weeks from the draft, and they don't know who their head coach is going to be yet, and that's that's okay. They're not going to be the first team in NBA history who is, you know, going to be making draft picks without knowing who their coaching staff is. They're not even going to be the only team this year doing it in all likelihood. But you know, that's something that comes into the equation when you talk about a guy uh, like Zaire Williams. Uh, Mr. Mr. Samuel, you got anything to plug before we go? Um, so this is coming out today, right? I might be coming out Friday morning. Okay. So I've written a bunch of just random little things this week. Um, with Josh Robbins, I wrote about the magic and what they should be looking at with Alex Schiffer. I wrote about the Brooklyn nets, what they should be looking at both in free agency and in the NBA draft. Uh, One thing I will plug is I've been doing a bunch of YouTube videos with Andrew Schlecht uh, in our great video production team, Jerome Chang, Will Bartlett. I want to shout those guys out uh, because they're on the back end and people don't know who they are and they do such a great job. Um, We've been doing prospect series. We've done 10 videos so far. I think seven of them are out. Go watch those videos. you know, it seems like they've been getting a really great response based off of uh, how many people are watching them and based off of the reaction to them. So uh, I would absolutely say go and look at those. I also wrote on uh, our gambling section about 
three NCAA title futures that I love and that I may or may not have placed bets on already uh, to win the 2022 NCAA title. Uh, hint, hint, you know, shock, shock, right? Um and then finally, the last thing, uh, I have a lot of content coming out of the next couple of weeks that won't surprise anyone, but the big centerpiece of it is the NBA draft guide uh, that will be coming out that I think Fred has referenced a couple times here. Um, it, it'll come out at some point early next week is our current plan. And, you know, it's it's about as basically every year I just try to do the most comprehensive look out there on the internet on the top 100 NBA draft prospects, just period point blank. And I hope you guys read it and subscribe and take a look at it. Great. And uh, you can check out some work that I have over at the athletic. Uh, if, if you're interested in learning more about Darvin Ham, Wes Unseld, those guys, I wrote a piece last week where I interviewed somebody. I referenced this in the podcast too. I interviewed somebody uh, who's close to, uh, Ham and Charles Lee and, and work with those guys intimately and somebody who has worked intimately with Wes Unseld and also somebody who's worked intimately with Jamal Mosley. Obviously, that piece came out when the the search was down to those four guys. But if you want to learn more about Unseld, you want to learn more about Ham, uh, check out that piece that's over at The Athletic DC. It's on my author page. You can check it out there. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Um... Yeah, give us five stars. Leave a review. That always helps. I'll be back with a new episode. Oh, I should say also, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you want to read that piece, and you want to subscribe, uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, and you can sign up for three ninety nine dollars a month, theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. That's a full subscription to The Athletic. It gets you everything. It gets you not just my coverage, not just Sam's coverage, but all of our NBA coverage, all of our MLB coverage, all of our NFL coverage everything else that's the athletic.com slash wizards after dark and you get it for 3.99 a month it's a great deal so check that out i'll be back with new episode next week i'll talk to you guys then As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.